Well, good morning. This morning, <clears throat> we are going to talk about something that I think is so critical to our Christian walks that sometimes I feel, um, every once in a while there'll be a sermon where I'm almost feeling um, like it's above what I can actually deliver. So I need you to pray for me this morning because this is heavy on my heart today. We just inc- encountered Jesus in an incredible way. Isn't that right, students? That was amazing. And we're just kind of in the, in the glow of that a little still, and we're tired and we're everything else, you know? But it's an incredible moment. And actually, it fits so well with what the Lord has laid on my heart to share, these moments, these moments. You ever felt like you were just trying really hard to make something happen, but you weren't getting anywhere? You felt like you're just spinning your tires a little bit. You know, last year, or last year, last feel like a year ago, last week, we, um, we talked about making every effort. And we said that, that God's energy shows up when our effort does. But maybe today, we're, we're, we're not really afraid of effort, right? We're giving effort, but we're not seeing results. You ever been there before? You're just like, man, I have been praying. I've been trying to make this happen you know, and it's just, I'm not seeing that breakthrough. I'm not seeing that result. And as I was thinking about this series on making every effort, I was thinking there's, there's no way we, we do a whole series on effort and not talk about this topic. The topic about seeing when that effort results in a breakthrough. I was thinking about um, a, a fishing trip I took once. And we chartered a boat out of, I think it was San Diego. And we, we uh, got on this boat and me and some friends and uh, uh, we, we took off to do some deep sea fishing. And the whole drive down there, we're thinking, man, I'm going to catch a marlin. You know, I'm going to catch a, I'm going to catch a tuna. I hadn't been deep sea fishing only once before. And I'm thinking, man, this is the ocean. Like you could pull up anything. It could be a great white shark, you know, who knows what I'm going to pull up. You know, this big dream. And it got this, you know, this this chartered boat with this captain who knew what he was doing. And so we take up out of there and we go to the first spot. He's like, oh yeah, the fish were really hitting here, you know, a couple weeks back and nothing, you know. Oh, you know, go to the next spot, nothing, you know. You ever been on a fishing trip like that? And someone's like, yeah, that's why I don't fish, right? <laughs> All over. I think we ended up in Mexico. I kid you not. We were looking for fish everywhere and there was just nothing. I think one guy caught a barracuda which wasn't that good to eat. I don't know. And then another person caught a fish and then a sea lion ate it before we got it in. And so all we got was a head. You know, it's like, what is this? Have you ever been there where you just feel like no matter what you're trying, you're just not making any headway, right? But maybe you have a personality that's similar to mine. And that's that personality that says, well, I'll grind it out. Do I have any fellow grinders in the room? Like, no, it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to white knuckle this you know, you, I'm going to make it happen and I'm just going to grind it out and I'm going to just keep going. And if that's your personality, because I identify with that, there's nothing more frustrating than no matter the res- amount of effort you're putting in, there's nothing that will raise the cortisol levels of your, of your, of your, you know, biology more than not seeing anything happen, right? And so I want to talk about this idea of strategic effort. I want to talk, talk about this idea of, of where we're supposed to put our effort. Because effort needs to be put in the right location. And if it's not put in the right location, you might be putting a whole lot of effort and not getting the results that really God wants to see in your life. And I was thinking about this text um, 
where Jesus really describes the Christian life. And it doesn't sound like striving. It sounds more like resting. Look what this text says. This is in Matthew chapter 11. So Jesus comes and he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. Let's all say this. And I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. I don't know if you've ever met someone who seems like they are at rest. Like they are walking with Jesus. You can tell by uh, their countenance and by the way they carry themselves. And they love what seems like effortlessly. They are joyful. They are at rest. They're peaceful, right? There could be troubles in their life because we tr- all of us have troubles in our life, but they aren't overwhelmed by those troubles, right? They might have their bad day or whatever. It's not like per- they're superhuman, but they just have this deepness to their faith. They have this confidence that God is present, that God is going to come through. They, they say things like, hey, God's got this. Yeah, I'm not looking at the storm. I'm looking at the Savior. Come on. I'm walking on the water because he's walking on the water, right? And they have this, this quiet confidence about them, right? Um, those are the kind of people that you just kind of want to smack, right? I'm just joking. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Do you not have the same problems that I have? Like, how is it that you feel or you seem so at peace? Guys, can I say something to you this morning? Because this is really important. You cannot white knuckle spiritual transformation. You can't force by your willpower to become like Jesus. You can't demand peace. You can't. It comes from a different place. It comes from strategic partnership. It comes from specific surrender. It comes from you and Jesus having these moments of transformation. And I'm going to teach you about that today in this sermon on strategic effort. Strategic effort. And so as we think about this this idea, I want to show you this passage in Scripture where I think we see this in action. If there was anyone in the New Testament that you would say is a grinder, someone who's going to grind it out, a type A personality, someone who who would push through the toughest obstacles, this has got to be the Apostle Paul. If you don't know much about Paul, Paul was... He was a zealous person. Even before he met Jesus, he was known as a guy who would go through any, go to any length to do anything for what he thought was the cause of Yahweh. Like he was just a passionate man. He only had one, one gear and that was fifth gear, you know, and he only had one speed and it's full speed. I mean, that's the apostle Paul. But the apostle Paul, I think, learned a principle that we're going to watch today about how to follow Jesus, and in, in, in particular, how to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because if you're a grinder, if you're a person who pushes, if you're a type A, if you're someone who just pushes through no matter what, we are very, very tempted to get ahead of God. We are very, very tempted to, to be frustrated at a lack of progress and then white, try to white-knuckle our way through. And that isn't the way of Jesus. That's not the yoke of the master, the the resting shepherd who leads us by still waters. I want to show you this passage. It's in Luke, sorry, it's in Luke's writing of the book of Acts. This is the author. And it's in Acts chapter 15. 
And this is a story, a pivotal moment in the life of the church. If you're not familiar with the book of Acts, it's really the history of the church. It's the, it's the first chapters of the new church, how the church was born and how the church exploded onto the scene. And in the 15th chapter of Acts, an important decision is made. And the decision is what to do about the, Jew, the Gentile Christians. Up until this point in the story, most of the Christians are Jewish people. So they've been following the Torah. The, the, the men have all been circumcised according to the law of Moses. And then Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. So they now follow Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. But if you follow the story in Acts, you realize early on, the Gentiles begin to hear about Jesus. And as, as Peter preaches to Cornelius, one of the first Gentile converts, like the door begins to open up to the Gentiles. And now Paul, the, the, the apostle to the Gentiles, he's actually gone on a missionary journey and he started churches in these, in these Gentile regions. And so many Gentiles are now becoming Jesus followers and they're receiving the Holy Spirit just like the Jews did. But the early churches tried to decide like, what do we do about this? Like, what, we don't have a playbook here. We don't, we don't know exactly like what was it that Jesus wanted us to do. So they, they come together as a body and they, they seek the Lord together. And they decide that, hey, this is, this is amazing. The Holy Spirit's being poured out on Gentiles who are not following the law of Moses. And they make this critical decision. And here's the decision. Gentiles can come straight into the family of God. They don't have to go through Moses. They don't have to go through the law. That They are receiving Jesus as their king and their Messiah, just like the Jews are. And so no circumcision required, no Torah required. Follow Jesus, receive the spirit, enter the family of God. That's huge message for the Gentiles. That's huge. And so the apostle Paul is now excited because he's going to take this message. He's going to take this word back to all the Gentile churches. And he's going to go even further into the world of the Gentiles to tell them that Jesus is their king, that he rose from the dead, that he died on the cross, and that he defeated death by raising on the third day. And so Paul is excited. Again, if you're a type A, if you've got this mission and now you've got this great news, like you are a Formula One race car, ready to just go, right? Formula One, right? Coming to Vegas soon. Anyway, right? Like you're ready just to take off. And so this is now chapter 16. Look at chapter 16. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So this is that new news. In verse five, it says this, the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. So as Paul is now taking this message to all the Gentile churches, they're being strengthened in their faith. They're they're realizing that yes, they are in fact full-fledged members of God's kingdom. They, they are, are able as Gentiles to just rejoice in that gift of grace. But look what happens next. And this is where it gets kind of confusing. Verse six, next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit, let's all say the word, prevented them. This is interesting. From preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. So here's Paul. He's got his buddies with him. He wants to travel even deeper into the Gentile world and he's starting to head out and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's preventing him. He gets this roadblock, right? Look at the next verse. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Now again, if you're this like 
aggressive type A, let's get her done, pull yourself up from your bootstraps kind of person, how do you respond to roadblocks? What's the default, right? The default is, I just get a bigger hammer, right? Like if, if there's something in my way, then you just grab a bigger hammer because we're going to get through this. That's what someone with that personality does. But that's not what Paul does here. Paul doesn't reach for a bigger hammer. He starts to pray. Okay, Lord, this is weird. This is not what I was pre- uh, expecting. This is not what I was predicting. Like, I, I believe you've told me to be a missionary to the Gentiles. Like, I know that's my calling. And now I have got some incredible news to share with the Gentiles that they don't have to come through Moses. They don't have to be circumcised. They don't have to follow the law. They can fully embrace Jesus, the, the risen Messiah, by faith. That's a powerful message. Friends, we are here this morning. Most of us are Gentiles. We are here this morning because of this decision in Acts 15. But at the right out of the gate, instead of a green light, he gets a red light. What do you do when you get a red light? Where do you go in life when you get a red light? When a relationship that you're trying to, you know, work through seems like it's not going anywhere, when a promotion at work isn't happening, when something's not going your way and you're scratching your head and you're thinking, man, I'm doing all the right things. I'm going to church. I'm giving even, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. And you got this whole philosophy, this mindset of like, God, why, why is the wind blowing in, in my face? Why isn't that blowing, you know, in my back? Why, why am I finding so much resistance? What do you do when you get a roadblock? Well, I want to show you what happens in this story because I think this is powerful. This is a, I want to look at this map just to give you a little map of the whole region. Paul has been traveling through here. He's at this point. Now, logically, if you're strategic right here, you want to head this way into Ephesus. This is the biggest city in the entire region. And right when he would turn left to go into Ephesus, the spirit says, no, the spirit says, don't go. So then he was going to go up north. The spirit says, no. And so look at the next verse. Watch the next verse. So instead, verse eight, they went through Mysia, Through the seaport of Troas, verse 9, that night, Paul had a vision. That night, Paul had a vision. He hits one roadblock, turns the other way, hits another roadblock. Then he just keeps going straight. It's like, you know, like the maze, like a little rat. You know, I can't go this way, can't go this way, so I'm going to go straight. And he's like, man, what is going on? And then right there, he has a vision. A man from Macedonia. This is not on Paul's agenda. Macedonia would not have been the next place Paul would have gone. Logically speaking, it's a backwater place. It's not like the main metropolis. You want to go to Ephesus. You want to go where all the people are. And he's being, he's being guided and directed by the spirit to Macedonia. Look at this. In northern Greece, there was a man standing there pleading with him. And notice the pleading. Come over to Macedonia. Let's all say the word. And help us. There's something about, something about what God is doing in Macedonia that Paul didn't realize. This vision is revealing to Paul the work of the Spirit ahead of him. The Spirit wasn't ready for Paul to go into Ephesus. The Spirit wasn't ready for Paul to go in those, meta, those, those metropolitan areas. But the Spirit was moving ahead of Paul to prepare the way so that someone in Macedonia would recognize that what Paul is bringing is help. Because let me tell you something, I can preach the gospel all day long to you, but if you don't realize that it's good news, if you don't realize that it's actually something you need, it will bounce right off of your heart. The good news is not good news if you don't realize it's good news. Can I get an amen? 
You have to realize that you need the, the message of the, of the Savior, or it's just going to be like, what are you talking about, a, a Savior? What do I need saving from? The man in Paul's vision knows he needs help. And so look at what Paul does in the very next verse, verse 10. And this is our message today. So we decided to leave for Macedonia. Let's all say the next two words, at once. It's like this, I got it. You got to just picture it, right? Like whatever your metaphor is, it's like Paul's this like wild animal. He's like, I can't go here. I can't go here. I can't go here. And all of a sudden they let the chain off and he's gone. He's like, yes, finally, I'm gone. I'm hitting that. I'm going straight for Macedonia. Guys, this is what you call responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit's at work and he finally shows you, there's your moment, there's where you're going, you go at once. You go immediately. Guys, can I talk about immediate obedience for a second? Can I tell you that, guys, half-hearted, slow obedience is disobedience? Can I tell you that right now? That, guys, when the door opens up, we need to be ready to go, so I'll say it, at once. Not next Tuesday. Now. Are you with me today? Right? Like, at once. At once. That is so key for today's message. At once. Concluding that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So Paul does. He, he, he jumps on a boat. In verse 11, they sail across. They hit this place. And now they're in this land they weren't planning on going to. And I want to I just put yourself in, in Paul's shoes for a moment. You've, you finally, you've been frustrated, right? You've tried to go here and you got stopped. You tried to go over there and you got stopped. And now you're over here and now you get this vision. And now you're going and now you're in a place you weren't predicted to go to. You weren't planning to go to. And now you're, you're in this you're in this strange place. This is like literally leaving Asia and heading into Europe. So this is like the first gospel message into Europe. And no one in this entire place has ever heard about Jesus. I want you to picture yourself being Paul for a second. In verse, four, in verse 12, it says, From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district in Macedonia. And it's a Roman colony, and they stayed there several days. I imagine Paul and the, the other missionaries, like, okay, Lord, we're here, but what are we doing here? Like, it's almost like I have this picture of this walled city, right? This giant walled city. Here's our picture. I'm not saying this is what Philippi looked like, but spiritually, this is what it looked like. It looked like this impenetrable city, and Paul's on the outside of it, and he's like, how do I bring the message of Jesus here? How do I do this? I mean, they've never heard of Jesus, how do I tell them that a Jewish rabbi was crucified on a cross in Jerusalem, which is 1,500 miles away from here, and that he rose again from the dead, and that he's the king of, and the author of life? How is anyone here going to believe that message? Like, that's going to sound crazy to them. Are you with me today? How do we do that? And so what does Paul do with this incredible obstacle? What do you do with incredible obstacles in your life? How do you face them? Where do you start with a troubled marriage, a wayward child, a, a, a disease or an illness that's, that's terrifying you, a situation that you just feel like you have no control over? Where do you start? What do you do? Look what Paul does. Look, look, look at this next verse. Look what he does. On the Sabbath, we went, to, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank. Now, what's significant about the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath is the Jewish day for worship. So Paul's like, okay, how do we get into this city? 
Well, let's, let's find the Jews. Are there any Jews here? Well, there really aren't. Like, we're going to find out in a second. There's very few Jews, because that was normally the way in. You talk to the Jews, you say, hey, guys, everything that the Old Testament was prophesying, Jesus fulfilled. So you start there, that, that makes sense. But there's no Jews. There's no synagogue in Philippi. There's no place to start preaching about Jesus. So it's like, what are we going to do? I heard that there's a prayer meeting. Come on, somebody. Let's get, let's get, let's get excited here this morning. I heard there's a prayer meeting. I heard there's a prayer meeting that some women are praying over by a river. And I think these women, they must know something about the, the God of the Bible because they're meeting on the Sabbath day. And they're meeting on the Sabbath day and they're praying together. Hey, Paul, let's go check out what they're praying about. Let's start with those ladies that are praying by the river. Sometimes what you got to do is you got to have eyes to see where God is at work when it looks like he's not working anywhere. Are you with me today? Where is God at work? Where is God moving? What relationships are happening? You might be praying for, for Philippi, but you can't start in Philippi. You have to start at the riverside. Because God's going to use the riverside to get you into Philippi. See, guys, sometimes we want to start with Philippi. I want to just get a big jackhammer and knock those walls down and force my way in. That isn't the way of the Spirit. God is not looking for you to do the impossible. He's looking for you to believe the impossible that the Spirit can do through you if you obey. I'm still getting excited from the retreat. Let's go. Okay, here we go. So he gathers with these ladies. This is called strategic effort. Guys, can I tell you that all effort isn't the same? You can put a whole lot of effort in the wrong place and not see any results. You need to be strategic with your effort. And so verse 14 says, one of them, one of the ladies that were there was from Lydia, uh, was, was named Lydia, and she was from Thyatira. She was a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. She was a Gentile woman who worshiped the God of the Bible. But she didn't know about Jesus. Look at verse, look at it continues. As she listened to us, go back a little bit, guys. The Lord opened her heart. Notice that. She's listening to the message and the Lord opens her heart. And she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us, she said this, hit the next verse for me, guys. She says, if you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. So guys, look what happens. Paul can't get into Philippi. So he goes to the riverside. He meets Lydia. Lydia's heart is opened to the message. The Lord opens her heart. She now says, hey guys, I'm baptized. I'm following Jesus. Like, guys, I want you to stay in my house. Any guesses where Lydia lives? inside of the city of Philippi. Guess where Paul now is? Inside the city of Philippi. Guess what becomes his ministry headquarters for his ministry to Philippi? Lydia's house. Guess what relationships he uses? Guess who gets to introduce Paul to other people? It's going to be Lydia who has the network of people because she's a merchant and she's selling her expensive cloth. And so Paul has now got an in to the city that God called him to reach. Can you hear me this morning? Guys, sometimes you got to wait on the Lord. Sometimes you need to say, the, the effort that I'm going to give is not a bigger hammer. It's a little more prayer. It's a little more sensitivity to the spirit. Guys, can I, can I go off script for a second? And I want to just, something the Lord's really laying on my heart. Something I think that sometimes a pastor just really needs to help you with if I can. And that's this. I think we need to grow in our awareness of when the spirit's at work. 
I think sometimes it's not that the Spirit's not working. It's just that we're not hearing or seeing him work. Can I, can I explain maybe how this works in, in more practical ways? Every morning, I'll get up and I'll read my Bible. I'll read my Bible, rain or shine, whether I want to or not. And if I could be honest, there's a lot of times I don't want to. Be real about it. But I'm going to read my Bible. There are times, not every moment, mo- morning, but there are times I'll be reading my Bible. And then all of a sudden, I just feel so compelled by something I'm reading. And then I'll be like, man, I never saw that before. And then I'll be like, you know what? I need to bump whatever was next because I, I, need, I need to chase this down a bit. And then I'm getting my commentary out and I'm deep in study. And then all of a sudden, it's like Jesus himself has says, hey, Brad, can I show you something else? I'm like, yes. Guys, that's the movement of the Spirit. Can I give you another example? There'll be times I'll be praying. And I don't want to be praying, right? Because again, I'm me. I'm being real with you, right? And then all of a sudden, I'll start. It's like where that God's energy meets where your effort starts, right? That whole thing last week. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, Lord, wait a second. Hold on. Because right now, I've just been mouthing words for the last 10 minutes. I have not been praying. I've been going through the motions. And right now, Lord, I want you to change my heart. And then, guys, I'm not joking. Sometimes I'll say, Father, in the name of the risen Jesus, and I'll be in the middle of wherever I'm at on my prayer walk, I'll I'll lift up my hands and I'll say, in the name of the risen Jesus, I am asking you to help me pray. Guys, can can I explain something to you? The movement of the Spirit doesn't happen when I ask God to help me to pray. The movement of the Spirit actually started when I was all of a sudden aware that I've been mouthing words for 10 minutes. See, it's the spirit that makes you aware that you aren't really praying. It's the spirit that says, Brad, you've just been mouthing words for 10 minutes. You haven't really started communing with me yet. That's the movement of the spirit. The movement of the spirit sometimes doesn't feel like anything other than, huh, this is not satisfying right now. This is not really meeting a need right now. And then you stop and you say, Lord, I need your help. I need your help to change the way my heart is right now. And so then you are asking the Spirit's help. And now all of a sudden, as you start taking those steps, guys, just like last week, we said that God's energy meets when our effort does. And now we start walking. And then all of a sudden, man, the prayer starts to really be a prayer. Can I get an amen right then? Guys, it's, it's there It's there is where the spirits work. It's the gentle wooing of your heart that says, hey, Brad, you've just read a whole chapter of the Bible and you don't even know one word you read. Go back. That's the invitation. That's the knock on the door. It's that. That's the move of the spirit. It's the willingness to put down the agenda and to say, okay, Lord, what do you guys do when you, when you meet a Philippi in your life, a Roman colony with its big walls that seem impenetrable, where do you put your effort? Guys, can I just say this to you today? Can I encourage you right here? Look what Jesus says in Matthew 9. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great. The workers are few. So what? So I'll say it pray. So make every effort. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of these like a machine gun. You ready? Here they are. 
Hit the next one for me. Make every effort. Go. To pray. Let's all say it together. To worship. To know God. To meet with Jesus. To be filled with the Spirit. To love others. Right where you are. Can you stand with me? And I'm going to give you, I want to, I want, I want to say one last thing as you stand. I think growing in the Lord is growing in the awareness of when the spirit, Spirit's moving. It's not taking for granted the movement that's happening in your heart in the, in the moments. We at the retreat had this holy moment where, where the Spirit was moving. And it's right there. We have to have the wisdom to say, God, you've just opened up the door. I'm going to go right through that door. You opened up that moment. I'm immediately running through that door. And right now, guys, I want you to, I, I want you to stop missing the moments of when the Spirit's at work. I want you to learn to train yourself to see where the Spirit's at work. Maybe at your job, you've wanted for a long time to be a, more of a witness for Jesus. And right there at your job, you're like, Lord, I don't think I'm making any difference in the kingdom here. Here's what I want you to start to do the next time you go into work. Father, I know you're here at this job. I know you're moving ahead of me. You're gone, you've gone ahead of me here. And God, right now, I want to see where you're at work. I want you to pay attention to maybe the Lydia that's in your job. The, the, the person who's, who God is moving. And you're going to recognize Lydia because she's going, to, she's going to just ask you a few questions when you're praying. And you're going to enter into a conversation and you're going to have the boldness to say, hey, Lydia, I don't know what her real name is, okay? Hey, can I pray for you? And she's going to start to weep because she's been wanting someone to pray for her. The door opened and you went through it. Are you with me, church? Part of walking with Jesus is learning to discern how the Spirit's moving.